Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Friends, Facts, and Fiction. As always, this podcast is made possible by our local convenience stores, the misappropriation of history, and you. And now to your hosts, Justin Hammonds, Brant Bramlett, and Drew Shellnut. What's up? What's happening, world? This is a podcast called Friends, Facts, and Fiction. I'm Justin Hammonds. I'm looking at my boy Drew Shonut. Uh-huh. And my boy Grant Bramlett. Uh-uh. And uh we out here, uh, season five, trying to thrive and stay alive. Episode eight, the height of prohibition. Uh, I'm gonna talk about a few uh mobster gangster stories today and uh, you know, give you a little slide off into our third episode on prohibition. Um, so yeah, we're back with these hot facts. Never forget to uh, give us that like, that follow, that five star or whatever, and tell your mama, auntie, uncles, and cousins. Um, we always out here, man. We love y'all. Um, but anyway, how we uh, how we feeling? How, how y'all doing? You know. It's hot. Yeah, it's hot as fuck. Yeah. The, the heat is back. I think the only person that is um, able to complain about that is Grant. Um, I agree. Yeah. It's actually kind of sweet, though, because like, I've got a pretty strong pulse on... Uh, weather apps mm-hmm. these days for obvious reasons. And um, I, th- I feel like I knew a few days before everybody else how bad this was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oof, I got to stop drinking. I got to start hydrating before, like mm-hmm. like the weekend yeah, before. Yeah. I'm thinking like I got to start drinking a lot of water now, you know, because mm-hmm. we, as everybody, literally everybody in this country is dealing with a pretty serious heat wave mm-hmm. and Tennessee is not immune to it. We're having like... No. 100 degree days feels like 110, 111, yeah. something like Yesterday that. Yesterday was 108 at 98. So yeah, yeah, with our humidity is adding, yeah, so, tacking uh, about 10 degrees. I don't on know there. if you know, next week uh, is 102, 104 yep. yeah. on the board. So that means it's going to feel like 120 probably. Yeah, yeah. 115. It's more so, Yeah. So be ready for that next week if you're in the Southeast. Yeah. <laughs> My, um, yeah. And then like of America. personal text <laughs> messages started coming in like, Hey, you know about this shit? I'm like, yeah, I've been knowing about this mm-hmm. shit. And then now I'm out in it. And people are like, how you doing? You okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you got water? People, it's like, dude, I've been thinking about you. You know, and then mm-hmm. I, I did uh, Rachel, one of our coworkers yards today. And when yeah. I was wrapping up, she was like, do you need me to like spray you down with the hose? Do you mm-hmm. need some water or a Gatorade? And I'm like, I'm good. I got plenty of that. I've got like got ice packs, cool wrap, mm-hmm. like yeah, you know, the, the thing that goes around your head and like two massive jugs of like electrolyte yeah. water, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> we, we, we got off. We got off pretty light. Uh, I helped him out yesterday. We got off pretty light. Yeah, the, wasn't that bad. The heat was like kind of okay, and then right when it got to like ninety five, ninety six, we were like done. Okay, so, I was about to say yesterday's heat got up. Yeah, there. it got up there, but we were out there early, so we yeah. knocked out like, yeah. eight yards in mm-hmm. a few hours, and you know, um, shit ton of water, Gatorade, fucking beef jerky. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> I was chilling, Honestly, it's bro. good for the salt. Yeah, for real. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, was, I was chilling, bro. Um, and uh, yeah, by the time we I were basically... chilling, chilling. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It, it was hot as a motherfucker, but yeah. it wasn't as worse as it could have been if we kept cutting past three o'clock. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. Otter Creek Lawn Care. <laughs> for all your lawn care needs. See, there you go. That's a, that's a jingle right there. But anyway, um, yeah, man, we, we back out here with these hot facts. Uh, but before I dive into that, um, I want to. Uh, Give us a song of the day of the week. I think we missed Making that. Making your yard we barefoot yeah. ready since nineteen ninety three. Sorry, yeah. I'm working yeah. on a jingle over here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just lie about right. the formation year. 
Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, like in 93. <laughs> since 93? Well, since you first picked up some shears or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First memory of a yeah. grass That's cutting a, device. Since, like, 2001, I heard cutting grass, bro. She know about it. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Song of the Day of the Week. Uh, I had a uh, great track that I've been listening to recently. It's by a rapper named Ab Soul, and the track is named Hollandaise. Oh, nice. Like the South. Um, really dope track. Check it out. Um, again, um, we have the Spotify playlist, Song of the Day of the Week, yep. by Friends, Facts, and Fiction. Um, and uh, we, um, it's almost up to date. Nice. It's a lot harder to do yeah. than you think mm-hmm. to go back and fill in like a, two seasons of <laughs> songs. But anyway, um, check another, it out. <laughs> I got another line. Landscaping and hardscaping, everything but trees. All right, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Are you trying to go with the 93? Is that was the whole yeah. Yeah, continuation? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For all your long care needs, 93s. Mm-hmm. Everything but trees. Everything but trees. I see bars. I mean bars. <laughs> bars, guys. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> Absol <laughs> artist song is Hollandaise. Anyway, um, yeah, before we start this hot facts, you know, I'm get comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, relax. I mean, rub some CBD oil on that joint. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> then light up that joint and, you know, get up in there. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, we, um, last week we did the, the beginning, the pre-prohibition. And now we're going to dive into the height. So at the height of prohibition, it seems everyone who was anyone was breaking the law. I mean, duh. Breaking but, the law, breaking the law. <laughs> but the way that gangsters and mobsters got around the law was by bribes to buy out some murder. You know. <laughs> murder. The big three. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. You know? It was, it was <laughs> oh, BBM, gangster. you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> BBM. Hey, watch out for them BBLs. They're killing y'all. <laughs> anyway, even some politicians who supported Prohibition were making their own homemade booze. But for the heavy hitters who were out here making millions, it was the greatest time of their lives, obviously. Mm-hmm. Everybody from the well-known gangster Al Capone to the ex-cop Roy Olmsted made millions in a time where, you know, $200 could change your life, even though $200 can still change my life. But... In a way more massive way back then. $200, yeah, yeah, yeah. $200 could fucking say, change your tax bracket. Damn surprise, near. $200 is just a good day now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> $200 back then was like a good year. You right, know? right. <laughs> like, so today I'm going to talk about a few heavy hitters and their crazy ass stories. And some politicians who kind of saved the day and unsung heroes. But before we dive into all that though, I have to talk about the massive loophole in the 18th Amendment. And how everyone began to take advantage of it. So we already covered the fact that the 18th Amendment banned the manufacturing, sale, and transportation of alcohol, but it did not ban the consumption of it. Right. Mm. Which means everyone stocked up heavily when the amendment was passed, and also doctors could still prescribe it, which means pharmacies had it, and you could legally buy it on doctor's orders. Also, yeah, so it's like kind of like California, what, <coughs> six years ago, eight years ago? Or maybe even longer yeah, now. Yeah, when they were on the green cards. Yeah. Mm. Well, you just still on green cards, but like the state was cool, yeah. but the government could still be like, "Hey, right, right. fuck you, yeah. no." <laughs> but I mean, basically, just like any shithead with a PT, a PhD, you could walk in and be like, "My head hurts." Like, yeah. okay, here's weed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's, there's yeah. marijuana. Right. Um, but you also can't forget about the church. They still had it for communion, <laughs> <laughs> which typically entails drinking Fucking red wine. Of course, they did. Yeah. 
So, I mean, we don't have like, you know, property tax for them or yeah, income like, tax for them. Why so, would we ban alcohol during prohibition? Yeah, so there was no. a video that I watched where like, it was like this dude, um, this researcher dude that went way deep into it. But he's like, yeah, there's a, no record of like rabbis and priests like making hella money off of this, but I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, bro. You have to assume they did. Bro. I mean, they never <laughs> really had to account for it. You remember when our Mother Teresa episode? Yeah. They said that they were very certain, couldn't prove it, but yeah. pretty damn sure that mm-hmm. she was embezzling, uh-huh. let's say. Yeah, of course. And her worth was anywhere from like 10 million to 100 million. They just mm-hmm. didn't know. Because it's like offering up money to the Red Cross because of the religions, yeah, exactly the religions and things. But then there were the speakeasies where most of all the illegal booze was sold, and it was where all of our classic cocktails were born, obviously. Yeah, I'm gonna dive into that a little bit next week, unless you got some shit on it. No, I just literally surfaced that for for you next week. See, I'm, I'm doing an intro. To, the to your outro. intro <laughs> and my intro. And I'm doing an outro to your intro. You feel me? It's like, you know what I mean? But anyway, uh, these places were everywhere and they were thriving. You know, these fucking speakeasies were fucking everywhere. But anyway, during Prohibition, doctors and priests were keeping people lit and also making pretty good fucking money. I guess some things never fucking changed. Did I love that sentence? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's real tough. Mm-hmm. Keeping people lit. Man. But the people that made the most money were bootleggers, supplying speakeasies and we cannot talk about booze gangsters without bringing up old Al Capone again, a.k.a. Scarface, a.k.a. Snorky. Mm. If you recall, we did a mini episode on him a few weeks back, and we mentioned details about his life I never knew, like the fact that he spent $500 on every suit he purchased, which is about $7,000 today, and God. he had a bulletproof Cadillac with gun ports so he, he and his gang could shoot at coppers or rival gangs without being harmed, of course. Right. Other than their eardrums. Yeah, other mm-hmm. than that shit being loud as fuck. But for more details, go back and listen to the Al Capone episode. It's dope. But anyway, Snorky got away with so much because he had nearly half the Chicago police on his payroll. And he supplied damn near the whole city with booze. And he would rob other gangs of their shipments. And if there was any resistance, the streets would be filled with blood. But Al Capone would be giving out turkeys on Thanksgiving and, you know, the most of this neighborhood claiming that he was just doing what he needed to do for his community. Yeah. So during the day, you would have this beloved, charitable beacon of the community. And by night, all a murderous, greedy lunatic. At his height, though, he was making $100 million a year. But his syphilis really started to make him even more crazy. On Valentine's Day in 1929, he ordered the execution of seven Irishmen of a rival Northside Chicago gang, and this would be dubbed the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. In order to gain more control and scare the rival gang, Capone had a plan to lure associates of the gang into a meeting with a few of his workers under the pretense that they were just making a good deal. And all seven were murdered in cold blood almost immediately after arriving. (laughs) Jesus. So, needs to say, everyone knew who organized the hit, and the FBI was all in on getting old Snorky behind bars. So they found out that he was not paying taxes. Like, no shit, Sherlock. But mm-hmm. I don't know any fucking drug dealer that reports their wages to the government. Oh, come on now. But, but anyway. Uh, Could be a lesson learned. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Capone thought he would get off clean since he owned half the fucking city. So he's just smiling and chatting up in court. Like, he's, like, shooting the shit with the jurors and fucking, like, hollering at the other lawyer and shit. Like, just, you know, doing him. 
And I, I do want to say real quick, like something that's really important to remember that I often forget is that Chicago back then is basically LA now. Like one out of four or uh, what was it? three out of four movies that were being made, you know, back when they were like mm-hmm. the talkies or moving pictures, mm-hmm. you know, like before the they had audio. Show, bro. Uh, yeah. uh, let's think, you know, Charlie Chaplin days, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. All that shit was made in Chicago, right? Yeah. Like oh, a shitload of like imports were coming out of the Great Lakes and mm-hmm. like disseminating down the East Coast because the East Coast was what was the biggest, you yeah. know, because we hadn't really set up the West Coast as well yet. You know yeah. what I mean? So if you think about Chicago this is before Hollywood, him owning <laughs> half of Chicago, this is way before Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. right? <laughs> so like him owning half of Chicago, think about him owning half of like the greater LA expanse, yeah. you know, and it's just condensed well, into this, a smaller well, this day and city. Age, you could say Atlanta. Cause I mean, there's a shit ton of movies are filmed in Georgia. Well, these sure. Days, I mean, just speaking from like the movie or the entertainment standpoint, yeah, that was, sure. Chicago was huge, but oh, just like massive. it was one of the biggest cities in the country. So just yeah. for a little bit of perspective, sorry, go I mean, ahead. There's a whole, there's a whole play about that. Oh yeah. Chicago. Anyway, uh, <laughs> There's a whole band about that too. Hey, look at that. Chicago. Yeah, look Chicago. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was smiling and fucking off in court until he was found guilty. And the biggest gangster in America was behind bars. Now Capone didn't die in prison. After seven, no, serving eight years in prison, mm-hmm. a few of those uh, years in the infamous Alcatraz, by the way, Snorkel was, was released on good behavior and because he was losing his fucking mind. Yeah. By this time, the syphilis had begun to attack his brain, and he had the mental capacity of a 12-year-old. He would become overjoyed when he would take trips to the pharmacy to get packs of gum. Oh, that's kind of cute. <laughs> and, he, and he would roam the grounds of his Palm Island home down in Florida looking for his lost treasure that he said was buried on the property somewhere. So dude was losing, well, really already lost it. And he would die of complications from this disease at the age of 48 in 1947. So this motherfucker, Lily Al Capone, was a very influential character in American history. Like, I mean, he's up there with, you know, George Washington and fucking like to, to change the landscape of America. Yeah. He really did that shit. And, and he, had the, he had the one disease that like... Um when people say, oh, guys are just, you know, controlled by their dick. The brain's controlled by their, d-. his was. Yeah, that's straight it, up. Legitimately. Yeah, straight up, yeah. it was. Legitimately. So it, it traveled from his penis to his yep, brain. To his yeah. brain. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, in 48 years, this motherfucker literally, like, pretty much changed the trajectory of America. Mm-hmm. Just because of a fucking shitty-ass amendment. But anyway, um, some would say that all the gangsters and mobsters of Prohibition were ruthless and cutthroat and would kill anybody that stood in their way just to make some profit. But there was a famous gangster that went out of his way to do just the opposite. Roy Olmsted, who was known in the streets as the good bootlegger, began his career in police work, just like all of his brothers. He joined the police, uh, the Seattle police force in 1907 after working in a shipping yard. He rose through the ranks quickly with his high intelligence and his true concern for the city. But old goody, two shoes, became sergeant in no time. By 1917, he became a lieutenant on the Seattle Police Force. But when uh, Washington State prohibited alcohol in 1916, Olmstead saw an opportunity to, be, to make a little extra bread. Now, did you put good old, or sorry, goody two shoes in there because of him? 
Because I feel like that nickname originates somewhere, and I'm trying to remember <laughs> it, it, if it, it is Roy. It might or not. be him. I mean, he he literally like this is basically Olmsted versus United States, which is why the United States can tap your fucking phones and shit now. Mm. So That's he crazy. was a massive yeah. character in it. A lot of people don't know the story because he was a good gangster, sure. quote unquote. Because I mean, back then, like not a real street dude. <laughs> beat cops were known as gumshoes. So I'm curious if there is a connection. Maybe there. so. I mean, he was the good bootlegger. Um, side note: the history yeah. of Little Good uh, Goody Two Shoes yeah, is a go. children's story published by John Newberry in London in 1765. The story popularized the phrase "Goody Two Shoes" as a descriptor for an excessively virtuous person or do-gooder. Because he has. Two shoes, because only everybody had one shoe back then. He had, good, he had two good <laughs> shoes. You feel me? Oh, two good he, shoes. He had to give two his, shoes. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but anyway, thanks, Drew. Yeah. <laughs> I really <laughs> wish I had a more you know button by now. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Right. Damn. Well, well, this lieutenant of the police force, Olmsted, saw an opportunity to make a little extra bread after raiding a few speakeasies. Roy had a grand idea to actually acquire his own booze and just sell it back. But not just any booze. This is where the nickname The Good Bootlegger starts to make more sense. Olmsted would smuggle good cast liquor from Canada, old Canadian whiskey, down into Washington, avoiding putting toxic chemicals in shitty booze to make more profit. So he's basically like selling the highest quality yeah. of booze in Prohibition. Sure. And it was a little more risky. Now, living by his high standard of product... Would catch up to him, and he was caught driving on a back road with a Canadian hooch, and was promptly fired from police force. Hmm? He's doing all the shit while he was on the police force. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, that, a badge would go a long way. Yeah, exactly. But he was only fined five hundred dollars and was free to go, <laughs> and go indeed he did. Sure. Now that he had more time to operate his bootlegging business, it grew. And it was he was supplying a big portion of the Pacific Northwest. Jeez, and that yeah, means side hustle became his uh, full focus. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> I mean, you see the you see the money. It's like, bro, I'm just doing these YouTube videos. Oh, but now I'm just doing YouTube. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like straight up. Now, unlike most gangsters <laughs> of the time, Olmsted did not engage in owning brothels, gambling houses, or gun running, and he didn't deal <laughs> any drugs. I mean, you know, besides the booze. But since he only cared about supplying people with good quality alcohol, he was looked at as not a true criminal Mm. in the streets. You feel me? Mm -hmm. But that didn't change the fact that he was getting fucking rich. So he was such a straight edge criminal that he made sure none of his workers carried guns, saying that he would rather like lose a shipment of liquor than lose a fucking person in his crew. Yeah. Mm. So the good bootlegger was very smart when it came to moving his product. He realized that Canada was taxing shipments of alcohol to the U.S., you know, that old special pharmacy alcohol and shit. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> they were uh, not taxing exports to other countries, though. So Olmsted booked thousands of cases of liquor on shipments on cargo ships to Mexico. Then he, <laughs> wow. had, he had them bought to a remote island <laughs> of the Harrow Strait. Yeah. yeah, smart as fuck, bro. And the Harrow Strait is a series of islands that separates Vancouver Island and the Gulf Islands in British Columbia, Canada from the San Juan Islands, Washington State, in the United States. Right. So then after the booze was stashed on the island, he would have his crew periodically go and pick up shipments to supply his wholesale operation. And since he was avoiding paying the taxes, shipments... He would sell product for a much cheaper price and still make a shit ton of profit. 
So mm. this would cause bootleggers to go out of business and would definitely spike the rate of hijackings. So Roy would tell his crew to move product during bad weather, cutting down the risk of Coast Guard presence and arrival bootleggers taking the shipment. Oh, my God. So like pirates out there. Bro. Yep. That's <laughs> awesome. Yep. Bro, this bootlegger is... pirate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's He's true. fucking Blackbeard out here, bro. But um, <clears throat> while all this was going on, Olmsted and his wife... Elise started a radio station and bought a huge mansion dubbed the Snow White Palace. That (laughs) that overlooked uh, Lake Washington. I wonder who named that. Yeah, you know. And (laughs) he regularly bumped shoulders with mayors, politicians, and other successful Seattle people on the scene. Now, this whole radio business was very interesting and became a reason for Olmsted's downfall. It was part of a conspiracy against him that, at the time, that his wife had a nighttime show called Aunt Vivian, where she would act as Vivian and read bedtime stories to children over the broadcast. Cute. Now, some say it was actually a complete code language broadcast to inform his crew on what moves to make every night. I don't buy it. Mm-mm. It's wild no. if true. They're living in Snow White Palace, and Aunt Vivian is just telling nice stories to kids. Well, and, okay. I'll, and I'll go ahead no. and throw this out. <laughs> the, the, the one thing that pops in my head when I see Snow White Palace sure. is just like Trump in office. It's like Snow White is Trump and... <laughs> The little dwarves are all these little idiots running around them, okay. just doing whatever he says. To okay. do. Roll Bro, Tide. I instantly thought, like, you know, uh, fucking, or just uh, cocaine. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, my brain did. <laughs> I mean, my brain went straight <laughs> to cocaine. But, <laughs> it's well, like, oh, where are they? Been getting getting litty. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> it's wild of true, but the real stinger came on November seventeenth, nineteen twenty-four. When after the police wiretapped his phone and acquired enough evidence, they raided his home and while his wife was broadcasting her show at the same time. So now this would put a stop to another heavy hitter of prohibition, even after he tried to appeal the legality of his phone being tapped in the landmark case of Olmstead versus the United States. Right. So this is the guy. Yeah. From that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. And, and that's why that's we the beginning of them tapping our yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty fucking nuts that they didn't want people to drink. So gangsters came up and now they can tap our phones, but we can still drink. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's, it's a deeper thought there that I can't really grasp. Mm-hmm. The United States, um, he was, um, oh, yes. He <laughs> lost the case and he and 89 others were found guilty of violating the National Prohibition Act. Even his lawyer served time, by the Damn. way. Damn. Damn. Yeah. Um, Olmsted served four years and paid $8,000 fine. And after all that, he moved back to Seattle to be with his wife and his daughter and worked as a fumigator. Wow. So that really tapped him out. Yeah. Um, yeah, $8,000 back then is about 120000 Yeah, still, though. Now. I feel like even then he'd be able to, like... But anyways, I mean... I mean, he still had a nice-ass crib, and he was all right, but he just had a simple life, man. Yeah, yeah. So on Christmas Day in 1935, he received a presidential pardon from Franklin D. Roosevelt. Oh, Frankie D. And he also got his $100,000 worth of liquor tax he owed to the IRS wiped off the books. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Good job, Frankie D. like them booze. I was about to say, he probably (laughs) supplied Frankie D back in the day before. You know what I mean? He's like, hey, you be the homestead? That's the homie, bro. Yeah, they know each other. For sure, bro. For sure. So he would go on to live a long life and teach Sunday school, and he would visit prisoners every Monday uh, to, you know, like, tell them not to do crimes and shit, Mm -hmm. most likely. So he kind of became what Al Capone, like, claimed to be, a good Mm -hmm. upstanding beacon in the community. He died in 1966 at the age of 79, bro. 
Mm. Which is fucking insane. Yeah. That he was running booze and lived that fucking long. Because I imagine that shit takes years off your life. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? No. Yeah. Stress takes enough time off your life physically. So, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But um, another group that rules territory in a more vicious way is the Purple Gang. Uh-oh. Now, um, real quick on how they got the name. Because I think it's in there, but, like, I'm just going to get it now. So... They were the Sugar House Gang Boys. It was their first, like, title. So they're Irish. Jewish, actually. It sounds like Irish all day. To go from Sugar House to Purple Gang. Yeah, they're Jewish. Old Irish gangs had some of the, like, daintiest names. So this is, uh, (laughs) this gang was Jewish, Polish, Russian. It might have been some Irish people in there. Man, that sounds terrifying, actually. That sounds really scary. No, they they were Russian Jews. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. still, like... Scary. Yeah. Scary. Shit. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But anyway, um, especially in the fucking nineteen tens and shit, bro. Yeah. Like they were her thugging. But anyway, so there's three theories that somebody was wearing a purple sweater at the meeting when they tried to rename the gang. Okay. And there's another one where one of the members fell into a fucking like a palette of purple ink and like was turned purple by For the a while. Ink or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's also um one rumor that this uh, business owner was talking to like a copper reporter and was like, those guys are just, they're just, you know, off colored, you know, like they're like spoiled meat. They're just purple and rotten. Oh, I see. So sure. The purple gang. The spoiled meat one actually makes that tracks. Yeah. For the time period. Real quick. How much would you love to be a part of the naming meeting? You know right. what I mean? Of starting a gang. Yeah. Because, I mean, I know we've dealt with it with bands forever. Forever. And it sucks yes. nowadays, especially because it's like... It's Everything like, has been done. Oh, that actually is pretty good. Clickety-clackety, taken. Yeah. 20 minutes later. That's that's not bad. Clickety-clackety, <laughs> taken. You know? But I yeah. love the idea of just like, all right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to kill a bunch of people. We're going to steal a bunch of shit. We're going to sell that shit that we stole <laughs> from the people that we killed. Yeah. Everybody good? You yeah. good? Cool. Yeah. All right. What are we going to call ourselves? Yeah. Purple gang, bro. What about the white laces? <laughs> <laughs> the Killy McDillies. Ooh, ooh, the doily boys. Ooh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a time where like terrible six mm. could be like a fucking gang title. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like Wild West type shit. This is like, The you willy know, nillies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is technically like 40 okay. years after. I've heard willy nillies too many times. We're <laughs> taking it off the table for now. But, now but, again, but, I want to put the doily but, boys back but, on the table. <laughs> yeah, we can be called the DBs, bro. <laughs> what the fuck y'all doing over here? Hold on, wait a minute. What about the willy nillies? <laughs> <laughs> but I said that. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Shut up, Craig. Let's, let's Nobody likes you, Craig. <laughs> okay, so let's meet tomorrow. You're a Jew and your name is Craig. Uh, let's get drunk first. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the, for many years, the purple, purple Gang ruled over Detroit, and the core gang members were virtually untouchable. They supplied many speakeasies with Canadian whiskey, ran gambling houses, brothels, regulated unions, and also hijacked any and every rival gang they could fucking get. But they also partnered with Al Capone and sold him the good ex- exported booze for his operation as well. Still kind of crazy that Canada banned the use of booze around this time too, but it was just legal to like, hey, here you go, like to anybody else. It's yeah. fucking wild to me that I was yeah, that's nuts. cool. But anyway, um, the whole Purple Gang actually started when a, fe- when a few rebellious kids met in school. So 
the Bishop School in Detroit, where problematic students were basically held in detention for, I don't know, years, I guess. The Bernstein brothers were the ring leaders. I think you meant the Berenstein Bears. <laughs> Might have been a typo. <laughs> a little bit it's, of Mandela effect. It's, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've looked at it. <laughs> Looked at a few videos as Bernstein, <laughs> and they actually had that comparison in the few videos I watched and the few things I read. It's like not Bernstein, not A I E, oh, and also funny. yeah, they did that whole Mandela shit. That's so, cute. Bernstein brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. Um, <laughs> uh, the names are Abe, Joe, Raymond, and Izzy. Proving my point. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Yeah, really. I mean, when are you gonna start telling us the truth over here? Um, Jesus, the truth is the truth has been here, bro. <laughs> I got nothing behind facts, bro. What the truth is nigh. <laughs> the truth has been here. So they met some very colorful characters. Uh-huh. Nice, colorful characters, and, and they, <laughs> like cartoons. <laughs> exactly, like the Bernstein Bears. Um, <laughs> and they begin a life of crime with these people. <laughs> Here are a few of the original members that started oh, the Purple so Gang. The Purple with Gang the Bernstein with the Bernstein Brothers. brothers. Right, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Purple Gang with the Bernstein right. Brothers. Bro. I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm full good. of hits today. So, <laughs> <laughs> Harry, Louie, and Sam Those Fleischer. Those are ducks. Those yeah. are ducks. <laughs> We're <laughs> on the wrong cartoon. Those are ducks. I'm sorry. So, Huey, Louie, and Dewey. Dewey did what? <laughs> Harry, Louie, and Sam, bro. I'm telling you, this shit is wild, bro. This, this is a crazy story, dude. A lot of people don't know about the Purple Gang Whoa. either. These motherfuckers are ruthless, man. <sighs> oh, wow. So My face hurts. <laughs> you got to think back in these days. These are gangster names, by the way. Know, these right? motherfuckers are savages. They're scary. The yeah, these <laughs> yeah, are scary are. people in, the, in their time. But Sam! Harry, Louie, and Sam Fleischer uh, were some of the first to be recruited. So they were close to the top in this sloppy hierarchy that the Purples created. Mm-hmm. Ben and Sam, Purple Cohen, they were like the Purple Cohen brothers. Brothers, yeah, Cohen. Ben and Sam Cohen. <laughs> right, the Cohen brothers. Who, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. I've heard of them. <laughs> who, who became liquor distributors in the speakeasy nightclubs. Mm. They were like the head of the distributing department. Phil, Philip and Harry Keywell who were possibly involved in the famous St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Mm. Yeah, the gang was so violent, it was rumored that Capone hired out some of the Purple Gang members to do the job that pretty much landed him in the hot seat. Oh, wow. But, outsourcing, yeah. But the Keywell brothers were never charged with the murders. But it's like facts that they were like there. When nice. Shit happened. So this whole thing is kind of reminding me of what's going on with our like oil today. Mm. So you've got a... Yeah. Like, Larger um, scale, but yeah. So like the oil tycoons are sitting here making fuck tons of money while we pay mm-hmm. fuck tons of money for gas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then they're outsourcing little stuff yeah, here and there to get their little... <laughs> right, right. It's kind of, it's, I mean, and it, you're absolutely right. And there are people killed over oil constantly. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of times it's, you know, used as a, you know, like the war on terrorism, for oh, yeah. example. Mm-hmm. That's a good one to look at. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all fun. Very interesting. As it's safe to say that nothing's really changed since the Industrial Revolution. No. no. But um, Morris Rader, the man who was uh, the glue for the whole Purple Gang's operations, I mean, when you're involved in heavily in every crime to known to man, somebody has to be the brains of operation. But he would be sentenced to 15 years in prison in 1930 for murder. Just 15. Yeah, just 15. Harry Altman, another known violent member, would avoid a murder charge because witnesses would refuse to testify. Hmm. We all know Wonder what why. happened there. But uh, 
another, couple clap claps. Another, another character, Abe Zussman, a skilled murderer and uh, drug dealer who was known for trailing his victims to movie theaters and waiting for the thunderous rounds of applause at the end to slash victims' throats. Shank, shank, shank. So wow. the applause, of uh, of course, would be hiding the sound of the victim dying. Okay, so uh, nothing new there uh, either. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, because well, when I'm in a movie theater and I really need to fart, I just wait till a loud moment. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great call. You know? Yeah, for sure. Everybody's like, ah! And I'm like, <laughs> And then what always, it's like uh, it's like uh, if you're walking down a, an aisle at the grocery store, yeah. and you're like, there's nobody here. I can let one rip. Yeah. And as soon as that happens, someone walks up, and you're like, mm. and same thing at the movie theaters. I'm like, everybody's yelling. I'm like, Brr. and then everybody quits yelling. It's like, <laughs> you know. It's just like a signifier of like, that wasn't someone grunting. That's an, a fart that's going on. That's, Sorry. That's, that's a great comparison <laughs> to uh, killing people at movie theaters. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Irving, Could be. Yeah. Irving Shapiro, which a lot of these names are hella familiar. Remember? Oh, Shapiro? Yeah. We got Cohen Shapiro. Yeah. These are like. You know, prominent people. These are people that are kind of run the country. Mm -hmm. So remember yeah. that. Irvin Shapiro, an extortionist and kidnapper who was one of the most infamous members of the gang, went solo eventually, but he was shot and tossed from a moving vehicle at the age of 25 over a dispute of payment due to due to his men for a, a fucking kidnapping they did. And then hmm. we got to Sigmund Zelbin, a gunman for the gang, will be shot down at the age of 29. Ziggy was known to cut fingers off of victims to steal their rings. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Sam the Gorilla Davis. Oh, shit. Was Damn. another muscle man known for his strength and not his brain. Wish I had a nickname, the Gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the typical henchman. He yeah. said it was, it was said that he had like kind of a, uh, he was a little slow, but like big and yeah, just sure. brute, basically. He's a suspect in a few murders, obviously. Um, Jack Budd, the quiet and fearless bodyguard slash driver for Abe Bernstein, who's basically the leader of this shit, yeah. like low-key. But he was the most trusted and was basically always beside the leading brothers. Like Mike from, uh, uh, what is it, Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's just there all the time. Like, yeah. I got you, bro. Don't worry yeah. about it. So, yeah, all these motherfuckers met in school running crap games in the schoolyard and then became the most feared group in the Midwest by far, bro. <laughs> like, these motherfuckers just all met gang because they were, like, immigrants. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Immigrant yeah. kids in the shitty school. And they're like, oh, you're from here. I'm from here. I'm not from this motherfucker either. And, like, mm -hmm. they, just, they, it was, they formed, like, a brotherhood, basically. Right. And starting young, the bond was pure for the gang. And at first, but, you know, someone always gets too greedy eventually. Mm -hmm. The gang was so popular, though, the word purple at the time was synonymous with gangster or mobster in Detroit and surrounding areas. <laughs> so people would literally use the color as a derogatory term towards anybody who drank, hung out of speakeasies and brothels, uh, and, of course, anybody running booze and drugs. So that puts another little angle on, you know, purples for royalty, purples for, like, gangsters, purples for, like, you know. Booze. Crazy motherfuckers. Yeah. Purple drink. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I got it's, you. It's the, the history of that color is kind of wild. It anyway, really is. Um, for instance, news headlines would say, purple given 15 years for murder, or purple found dead in the streets, meaning like 
gangster hoodlum mm-hmm. right, thug. Right. You know what I mean? But it was purple. It was fucking or nuts. Grimace put away for life. Yeah, yeah exactly. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ba da ba 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 looking ass. You feel me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Grimace is supposed to look like a taste bud. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Really? Yeah. yeah. If you zoom in on a taste bud, it looks like Grimace. Yeah. It's the thing we discussed yesterday. What they called him Grimace. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a, a, a very unwanted. Yeah. Okay. I don't understand the name part, but. Uh, Bro. Here, come get our Grimace. Justin told me that yesterday. Yeah. That's a real thing I learned. Well, I learned a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's pretty well. Taste bud. No fucking taste bud, bro. More like a fucked up grape. It's a pretty. Yeah. Eggplant? Fucking egg grape. Yeah. Fucking like, eggplant? what the fuck? Yeah. A taste bud, bro. Taste bud. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what put the Purple Gang ahead of most other bootleggers um, and booze runners of the time? It's just like Roy Olm said. The area went dry early. So they had the jump on the 1920s. Um, Washington uh, went dry in 1916, and Michigan went dry in like 1917. So they had like a three or four year jump yeah. on the actual 1920 passing of the full amendment. So they stocked up early on all the Canadian whiskey, being that Detroit's literally across the fucking river from Canada. It made it pretty easy. Right. So I'm having a hard time when you keep saying good Canadian whiskey. Me too. Sorry. I was just thinking about that. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of Canadian at, whiskey. At, no. at, you know, at the time, though. Blended whiskey? No, thank you. At the time, this was the best fucking sure. whiskey. Yeah, sure. You know what that I'm saying? The best you could get. Yeah. Yeah. I was the best hanging out with the natives get. back then. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting that good but, uh, but also, you got, you got to think about you got to think about why, because I'm not a fan of Canadian whiskey either, but you got to think about why they still have business and money. It's probably because of this time. I was mm-hmm. thinking it about that. It boosted their mm-hmm. economy so mm-hmm. much, because, I mean, America made whiskey, but that shit got cut off. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they, we make better whiskey here. Yeah, yeah. Like we do. bourbon. Yeah, we make better bourbon whiskey here. You know I mean, let's my, be honest. my grandparents lived through the Depression, right? So, and my Grandfather, one of my grandfathers was an alcoholic, so mm. I'm pretty sure he had an affinity towards Canadian whiskey. If you think about it, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean, exactly, because it wouldn't go make him go blind yeah. or give him a three day hangover, exactly. I, you know what I mean? It's that shit that was like, oh, this is clean, this is good. And I mean, honestly, I grew up with uncles, older people in my family that drank Canadian mist, Mm-mm. sure, a Canadian blend whiskey, yeah, yeah. 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 Crown Royal is a big thing, yeah, yeah exactly. The generation just above us, yeah, exactly. So, I'm going to Irish. Yeah, ours, sure. ours whiskey's nice. Ours whiskey's nice, mm. but you can't go wrong as far with, as far as like a clean whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Irish can't go wrong with a Tennessee whiskey though. But anyway, um, <laughs> they were where was that? I forgot where I was at. Tennessee now. whiskey, Which all motherfuckers, man. So- <laughs> 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 no, Detroit's like right across the river from Canada. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Canada, it made it pretty easy for them to get the shit. So it didn't take long for Abe and his brothers to take over pretty much the whole area of Detroit which had about 25,000 speakeasies hidden throughout the city. Being uh, as a Jewish-led gang, which I mentioned earlier, the Purples would hire a group called, no bullshit, the Little Jewish Navy. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Boy, wait, those every words time, just came out. Bro, every time I typed it, I was like, <laughs> bro. <laughs> uh, I just picture like, Never yeah. mind. No, I know. <laughs> I got Let's go. Little, <laughs> little Jewish name. Hey, and, and shout out to my Jewish homies out there, bro. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, bro, I, I, I was an honorary member of ZBT at yeah. University of Alabama. Shout out to the homies. You know what I'm saying? But anyway. It's a fine lineage, but just everybody's... Little Jewish Navy, bro, that shit's funny. That is funny. who you are. 
but it's fine. <laughs> but this was a tough like name back in the day because it's like the little Jewish Navy. You know what I mean? Like you feel me? Like, the baby doilies. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, baby doilies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is like the time where like little. And baby, like, was like hard. It looks kind of like today again. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. it's kind of coming back through with slang and shit. This was the beginning of that. And they didn't quite know how to make that last mm-hmm. in history. But anyway, there were also many rumors of them employing kids to look out for coppers, starting them off early and to gain their loyalty. Yeah. So, speaking of rumors, there's a good one involving the Kennedys. Yep, those Kennedys. Again, all these names are very close to everybody that's running the country I, right I, now. I, I really don't. I, I really don't like what you just said, though. What? So there's the little Jewish Navy, yeah, and it's little people kids, looking out okay. for coppers uh-huh. and and starting them off to young to gain their loyalty. Uh-huh. Yeah, Jewish Jewish kids, and then and then and then like like Hitler Union. <laughs> What the fuck is going on with these fucking correlations, I, man? I'm, I'm not you, liking this. I'm telling you, bro, this shit's well. <laughs> this shit is deep. So, anyway. <laughs> Jesus, I'll shut my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about a rumor with those Kennedys. Right. Yes. Rumor has it, Joseph Kennedy, JFK's father, was a bootlegger in the 20s and moved product from the UK through some of Purple Gang's territory and the gang had a price on his head for the violation. Well, that's why they all got killed. As the rumor continues, it might be the beginning of the curse. But as the rumor might continues, be. it wasn't until Papa Joe struck a deal with a mob boss named Joseph Diamond Joe Esposito. Esposito! That the bounty was removed and Joseph Kennedy was safe again. Mm-mm. And it's just rumor, but it's kind of known that Joe Kennedy was involved in some questionable business back in the day mm-hmm. to build that family, um, you know, gargantuan. I was gonna say money. I mean, you know, how do you? And I'm not saying that it came out of nowhere after one generation. You know what I mean? Where like his son gets elected president, where did he get all that money? Probably some of it is old money. But yeah, some of it's old money, but also, also uh, prohibition back in the day, bro. You could literally. Do three shipments and be set your family for exactly, life. and that's the like day, another bro. thing to think about is the fact <laughs> that the, the Kennedys are notoriously Catholic, which weren't in the best of graces around that area. Yeah, <clears> who's, doing, who's doing this shit? Time. Irish, Russians, Italians, and Catholics. Yeah, and most of those people are Catholics. No, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. And yeah. Jewish people. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. there's this like two two word like situation um, that you can just. Move down to uh, so there's fear mongering, and then you just transfer that into another word that's called politician. Yeah, <laughs> so that's pretty much the gist yeah. of everything. Yeah, but uh, anyways, the purple gang, the power of the purple gang was felt in every racket there was. They started uh, a laundry union war with cleaners and dryers, known as the cleaners and dryers war. Awesome. Um, They're so fucking so awesome. Hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your cleaners, hide your vacuum, yeah. hide yeah. your dryers. microwave. They <laughs> kill everybody, everybody out here. <laughs> so Abe was working with the Detroit Federation of Labor and started a wholesale cleaners and dryers association. And they would threaten any laundry business that would not pay to be in the union by bombing the businesses, burning down the buildings, or just straight up killing the owners. Damn. You know. So these motherfuckers are ruthless, bro. 
Yeah, apparently. Uh, safe to say the perps had shit on lock, and they didn't care who stood in, in their way. Everything was looking good for the Pokemon gang until fellow members turned on each other. Now, at this time, at their height of it, they were known uh, to have, like, over 500 bodies in their wake. And also, as the fir- as the first gang to use machine guns in Detroit. Oh, wow. So, mm. safe to assume that fellow members would eventually turn the gun on each other. And that's what happened. Ray Bernstein, you know, Abe's little bro-bro, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. second boss, mm-hmm. ordered a hit on three of the little Jewish Navy members. Mm-hmm. That's cute. For reasons unknown. He had his two hitmen kill these leaders of the Navy in <laughs> the Navy in <laughs> an event called the Collingwood Manor Massacre. Now, Ray spared the life of one of the members of this little Navy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And that, um, he was close to him. So that was the downfall of the empire. When the gang went to trial for the murders, Levine, the guy who life was spared, mm-hmm. testified against the gang, and three of the leaders of the Perko game were sentenced to life in prison, including no Ray Ray. So this would cause a ripple effect for the perps of being killed, arrested, or some of them is joining other gangs. Cut off the head and the body will yeah, fall. I was just about to say that, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, with Ray being behind bars, Abe, the leading, the leading brother of the Bernsteins, would focus his attention on casinos in Miami with Meyer Lansky. Mm. Good name to look into if you mm-hmm. know who that is. Continuing to fight for his brother's freedom with no avail, the crime mastermind behind all the purple gang, uh, Abe Bernstein, would die on March 7th, 1968. Good year. These motherfuckers, the, the actual, like, people that ran good businesses, like, lived a long fucking time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of wild. Like, he died in 68. It's not that long ago. No. So, it's safe to say that prohibition didn't really work. I mean, we all know that now. But with it all of the organized crime, murders, and extortions, it changed the landscape of America forever. But... Thanks to the efforts from Pauline Sabin and the Women's Organization for National Prohibition Reform, all this madness would soon change. But the mark of crime in America was here to stay. Boom. Baby. Mm. That's all I got for y'all. Snaps. Uh, no, dude. Snaps, I, snaps. I was going to cover some more just, people, but I'll do that in a later episode after Prohibition. I mean, to be honest with you, some of these like massacres or some of these like wars and stuff like that, just the silly title alone, I no. think, would intrigue somebody. But... Um, I mean, I'm intrigued by just hearing them in this episode. But, you know, like we were just talking about a minute ago, the fact that the generation above us, right, still has this odd, in my opinion, affinity towards Canadian whiskeys, you know, like Crown Royal or Mm -hmm. Canada Dry or... It's a ripple effect, bro. Yeah. Telling you. We're we're so close to something that people think is so far away. Yes. You know what I mean? Exact point. These motherfuckers died. that long ago. These motherfuckers died during the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they were alive like when cars were very, very shitty and people were still riding horses. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Shit is insane, bro. Yeah. So if you're our age, your grandmother was, had her own family and was pushing shit out at that time. Like it wasn't, it's it's not that far That's away. That's really though. the crazy thing to me is that like you can, if, well, probably not anymore, but when we were little, we probably could have asked our grandparents about like prohibition oriented mm-hmm. crimes or things. You I know what know. I mean? I know for a fact 
allegedly, that my <laughs> grandfather was bootlegging shit out of a laundromat and was the first black dude with a convertible in the hood. Right. And that shit is like, and you've told it's me in that my story. family lineage, yeah, bro. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that shit is like, it's thick. I grew up with a daughter of a fucking sharecropper that was born a slave. You feel me? Like, right. So, like, that was a childhood for me, and I'm 32, bro. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I mean, like, you gotta see, this shit is close. Must, and, in your particular case, deep south Alabama, how the hell else is your grandfather gonna be able to buy a Cadillac? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Exactly. It was, actually, it was actually a Buick, all white. Oh, I'm sorry, a Buick. Yeah. But a convertible nice. Buick, all white. Right. Wearing as a suits. long as you drive it's my, a Buick, it's my affinity of, to having like dope car and look, don't look flies because as, as long as you're my not, older uncle. Yeah. Anyway, as long as all my uncles actually. Anyway, you're not selling Buicks. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. That's that should have been on that's, the Southern that's, Sayings that's, thing. That's, that's, a, that's a recall to uh, uh, a lot of our other episodes. Selling Buicks. Selling Buicks. Buick. There you go. There you go. Go back and listen to that. No, it just absolutely baffles me. That it just was not that long ago, and we just have collectively, we have the worst fucking memories. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As as a society, as a species, as a group, whatever you want to call it, it's so easy for us to think, oh yeah, that crazy time period, or that horrible shit that happened, or even that good thing that mm-hmm. happened, yeah. the good old days, as mm-hmm. some people like to say, well. was not that fucking long ago. No. no. You know what I mean? Not at all. I, had a, I was listening to a comedian say something about the good old days. Like, the good old days, you think about it, the good old days didn't have fucking modern medicine. So, uh, good <laughs> luck on that common cold guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, every time I think about, like, I see an old school car, I love <coughs> fucking cars, and I see an old school car, I was like, man, I wish I was alive. And like, that was the only thing on the road. And I'm Mm-mm. thinking, like, Mm-mm. actually, no, I'm good. I'm like, yeah. actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I wouldn't be able to do half shit I'm doing right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we wouldn't be doing crazy. this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This wouldn't even be a thing. You know what I'm saying? No. But, but yeah, man, it's, uh, it's wild how close it is and how actually, like, this time period shaped America to what it is now. Because you have, not for the first time, but for the first very successful time of corrupt, very fucking corrupt police officers and politicians. Yes. Because this is coming off of the Wild West era, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, where the this- cops were like... No, fuck these outlaws. Yeah. And they might have been ex-outlaws, but they were still fuck these outlaws. Yeah. Let's stop this shit to this point where it's like, oh, shit, I can pay rent. Yeah, cool. Give exactly. me a thousand. It's cool. It was like, like the whatever. beginning. It was like, <laughs> the, like the, the, the push off for lobbyists. Yeah. yeah More or less, for, yeah. For yeah. politicians. Yeah, and I mean, that's just really the crazy thing. Like, anytime you... You know, I don't know, you're watching a political debate or, or, you know, like a pundit or some shit, and you're yelling at the TV, you know, why is this so shit... This is why. Like, mm-hmm. this is literally why yeah. it's so mm-hmm. shit is because, like, yeah, we learned not that long ago that you can do you some can backdoor bought. deals mm-hmm. and make a fuck ton of money really quickly. Or and run for pre- presidency yeah. again. And then pretend, yeah. like, yeah, you're trying to fix the country or drain the swamp or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Stop the steal. A few, a few, uh, <laughs> a few movie references um, that can just show you this in pretty well-documented history. Uh, Gangs of New York. Is a very very well done movie for that time period. I agree. And how actually. gangsters really bought up sections of the city and they just let them live in muck. Um, Capone um, came out in 2020, and Tom Hardy plays Capone it was in good. that in that syphilis era of Capone, where yeah. he's losing yeah. his fucking brain. To give you a visual on that, check that out. And then, um, yeah, I think that's it. Oh, uh, that's another Ken, one, Ken Burns has a great documentary yeah, series of course. on prohibition. If you can course. stay awake on it, it's fucking yeah. If you can fact loaded, yeah, it's it's thick, but yeah. it's definitely all in there. That's how I learned about the Purple Gang, right? And uh, 
there's is so much more with Roy Olmsted and the Purple Gang and Al Capone that you know it can't just be in like an hour and a half fucking podcast. Mm, but yeah. is I gave you the overview of the the big facts, but um, there's also a lot of other cats that did a lot of wild shit. Um, and they were really just robbing banks and robbing fucking shipments of liquor and getting yeah. fucked up. Yeah, you know <laughs> so like, it was a wild time, bro. We didn't even really hit on would be like like Appalachia, right? Like the, oh, yeah. the mountains of God. North Carolina, that whole yeah. area, because they were able to go north and south, yeah. oh. but they were perfectly well hidden. Another another movie reference is Lawless. Yeah, Lawless another Tom Hardy movie, a captivating and, film, and it is stuck to the history pretty well because the job. grandson of. The Shia LaBeouf character in the movie was on the fucking writing, writing and producing staff. team. Nice. Which so goes to show to of how short of a time yeah. period that was. Yeah. That was like yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, leader, the leader of that gang in Law's movie, like in real life, got his throat cut and held it together and yeah. made it to the hospital and lived. Right. Like this is like, this shit is wild. It actually right? happened. And they were running hooch from fucking Appalachia down to Chicago. Like yeah. shit was wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's... um. It was a wild time. I'm happy we're covering it. Hope y'all enjoying it. You know, these hot facts. You know, hope we're, you know, tantalizing facts out here. You know what I'm saying? Stimulating your mind. Also making you smile. You know what I mean? Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the Doily Boy is, is that's pretty funny. The Doily so, Boy. The Jewish Navy. <laughs> the little Jewish <laughs> Navy. Should we do that the episode? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got it in here as gangsters and drinks, but no, we can fine. do whatever with it. I'm in control. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah, you got it. Hey, you got it, bro. You got it, bro. The, the Lewis uh, U.S. Navy. Gangsters and drinks. Gangsters and drinks. I don't know. The Lewis Ga- little, little Jewish gangsters, gangsters and yeah. drinks. <laughs> little gangsters, big drinks. Oh, my God. Lewis Jewish, the little Jewish gangsters, big drinks. Anyway, we're discussing titles. Y'all will see it when it's out. Uh, if you listen this far... We love y'all, and uh, we hope you're doing well. Remember, you can always support us at anchor.fm backslash friends, facts, and fiction. Uh, DM me on Instagram. Email us at friends, period, facts, period, fiction at gmail.com. Give us that five-star review, that thumbs up, that, hey, y'all are dope. I really like what y'all are doing. Or email us shit that you want us to cover, because we like to cover any sort of wild shit. You should really see this board we have here. It's fucking mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, yeah. It's not I'm, that crazy. I mean... <laughs> I'm Justin Hammonds, and I'm saying love, live life, because it's worth living, y'all. I'm Drew Shonut, and I'm saying love, live life. I always hated you and loved you. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm not supposed to say that. Um, That was a good combination. um, Stay informed and make a difference. There you go. Nailed it. Good job, Drew. Uh, You know, if you just randomly decided to kill eight people that were like actively working for you, helping you make your, your <laughs> illegal money. I never lying to you, but you know, if you were like a really big help in the community around you and, uh, you know, donated things, helped people like have like safe areas to live, you know, maybe we're importing like really like high quality liquor in order to drink because you're going like, to drink either you're going to drink or yeah. not. Right? Oh, you got to drink yeah. that high quality Canadian. Exactly. Yeah. Well, as opposed to the shit that caused that dude on Christmas to go insane, thinking that Santa was chasing him, we covered uh, that yeah. in that our poisoned shit, alcohol, right? the poison shit. alcohol episode, which yeah. that was our precursor to this <laughs> yeah. deep dive. I mean, the government yeah. was literally poisoning the alcohol to try and get us yeah. to stop drinking. No, yeah. people just kept drinking the poisoned shit. Yeah. That, so, anyways, that's why these motherfuckers made so much money because. And that's why Canadian whiskey is probably still around right. because the government <laughs> yeah. literally poisoned liquor. So and Canada was like, hey, here's this good shit. Mm-hmm. To finish up, 
if you helped bring clean liquor into an area, knowing that people are going to drink anyways. I always loved you. <laughs> so I never liked you and I always loved you, which means that uh, relationships are very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are. They are for sure. So what do you have to say about this? Yeah. It's complicated. I like, I like how, just real quick footnote, they were so mad about the liquor and the high quality liquor was better than most drinking water. Yeah. I think we've got a, a button for footnote, right? I mean, I think so. <laughs> yeah, stupid as fuck. Weird news update. Uh, this Bam. is going to be a podcast called Friends <laughs> and 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 then no and, and we out. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next installment. Find us on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all things friends, facts, and fiction. Our Instagram handle is friends underscore facts underscore fiction. As always, please reach out to us. You can send any of your questions, praise, and fact-checking to friends.factsfiction at gmail.com. It's important to us to only propagate the truth, and we'll correct any errors we may have made. Your hosts and researchers are Justin Hammonds, Grant Bramlett, and Drew Shelnut. Our episodes are produced by Grant Bramlett. Additional producership provided by Grace Higgs. Our recording engineer is Grant Bramley. Our editor, mix, and mastering audio engineer is Jeremy Mulder. Lighting design is provided by Justin Hammond. This has been a production of Friends, Facts, and Fiction. <laughs> when I see the feet, it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Friends, Facts, and Fiction, we out. Fuck y'all. <laughs> When I see the feet, it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And I'm sorry, Justin, but I just can't. I'm sorry. I love you. Buddy. <laughs>